we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, I want to add my welcome to the welcomes that you've already received. Um, I do want to introduce myself because I know some of you probably have no idea who I am. Uh, My name is Jeannie, and I am one of the pastors here at Joliet First. Um, And Brad and his wife, our lead pastor and his wife and family, are on vacation at um, a beach, an undisclosed beach. Um, And so we thought that this would be a good time for um, me to come back and get back up here after about seven months. So, yeah, it's been seven months. So, um, for those of you who are new, you picked a great day to join us because we are starting a new series today called The Body of Your Dreams. So, have you ever stood in front of the mirror and, and imagined what it would be like to have the body of your dreams? Or, have you ever imagined what you could do if you had the body of your dreams? I came close to having the body of my dreams right around the time that I got married, but that was 12 years and three babies ago, so that that ship has sailed. Um, Now I imagine the body of my dreams and I think about all of the work that it would take to get it, and I just decide that I'm pretty much happy the way I am. (laughs) Um, Now, what if I were to tell you, though, that you could have the body of your dreams and There is no, like, exercise required. You can eat all the ice cream and drink all the frou-frou coffee drinks that you want. You can eat potato chips, um, (laughs) hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, live it up. And you could still have the body of your dreams. Now you're all saying, okay, there's a trick here somewhere, or you're trying to sell me a bill of goods because there's no way you can eat all of the ice cream you want and potato chips and stuff and still have the body of your dreams. And you're right, physically, we can't do that. But the body I'm talking about is the body of Christ. And that's otherwise known as the church. So I am here to tell you right now that you can be part of the body of your dreams. But before we do that, before we get any further and dive in, would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of your creation. We pray that you would be with us now. Give us ears to hear. Give me your words to speak. That we may be the body that you have called us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ron, my husband and I recently got, had to get a new mattress because the one that we had was old. And when I say old, I had gotten it a couple years before I met Ron, so it was probably 14 or 15 years old. And um, it was in terrible shape. 
Like every morning I would kind of roll out of bed and I'd be so stiff that I could barely move. So I would get out of bed and I'd kind of slowly limp around the room and um, the baby be fussing in his bassinet and I'd be like, I'm going as fast as I can. And then I would kind of limp downstairs and make him a bottle. And it is amazing to me that a thing such as a mattress can make such a difference in how your body functions. I mean, how is ama what ama what's amazing is that one little part of your body that hurts can make such a difference on the rest of your body. And I'm sure that many of you have had similar experiences. I don't know if it's necessarily a mattress, that you, but maybe you've injured some part of your body and you can't believe what that does to the function of the rest of your body. For instance, I know that some here have had kidney stones. How many of you have had kidney stones? Yeah, see? And, and the, the pain from those has literally made it impossible for you to function at all, let alone function effectively and efficiently at whatever you're trying to do. Now, have you ever wondered, would it really make a difference if that part weren't there anymore? For instance, we have two kidneys, why can't they just take the one out that's causing the problem, right? Have you ever looked around the church then and thought, man, look at all these gifted and talented people. Surely they don't need someone like me in the church. In other words, have you ever felt like the second kidney of the church? Or better yet, have you felt like the appendix or the pinky toe of the church? Well, I don't know, but I have often looked around and I've looked at other gifted and talented people in the church and I've thought, man, the church has all these people, they don't really need me. I'm not needed or appreciated here. Maybe I should go somewhere else where, where my gifts and talents might be, more, might be more needed. And I know, I know, I know that I'm not the only one who's felt this way. So fortunately today, the writer of the passage that we're going to be looking at wrote, has a message for us. So some of you may, may remember the author that we're, we're reading from today. His name was Paul, and he has such a cool story. So he started out as like the chief persecutor of the church. He would travel all over Palestine finding believers and persecuting them, killing them, throwing them in prison, doing whatever he could to to um, stop the name of Jesus from going forward and from spreading. But one day as he was traveling along the road, he had a radical encounter with Jesus and he was forever changed. And he became, he went from being a persecutor to being a missionary. And eventually he was actually appointed, God, God spoke to him and appointed him as a missionary to the Gentiles. So really, it's because of Paul that we're all here today. How about that? I think that's pretty cool. So pa Paul would travel around the uh, Roman Empire, and he would visit various cities and towns, and he would, he would tell whoever would listen about the good news of Jesus. And then he would stay in those cities and towns, and he would help those people who became believers in Jesus to form 
communities together. And then eventually he would move on and he'd keep traveling to another town. But what he would do as he traveled is then he would write letters back to the communities of believers that he'd established in previous towns. And what's great is these letters that he wrote are what make up much of our New Testament. And the other thing that's great about them is that they just provide practical advice for how believers in Jesus should live. And the letter we're going to be looking at today was actually a letter written to the church in Corinth. Now, what I love, what I love about the church in Corinth was that that church was a mess. You're all looking at me going, why would you love that about a church, that it was a mess? I love it because the church in Corinth was just like any other church. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfect church. It was just like any other church. It was made up of imperfect people who had to figure out how to do life together and to follow Jesus as a community. Unfortunately for them, though, this meant that Paul had to write them some pretty um, strict letters to kind of help them keep on track and get back where they were going. Do any of you watch NCIS? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, okay, we got a few. So Ron and I have just recently gotten into watching NCIS again. Thank you, Netflix. And um, it's, it's really kind of a fun show because of the interaction between the characters. It's a humorous and amusing, and, and that's, what, you know, that's what keeps you coming back you know, more than them solving all these cases and the cool stuff that they do. It's, it's the interaction between the characters. And one of the main characters, of course, is his name is Agent Gibbs. And he's the leader of this team. And the fun thing, Gibbs is kind of a little rough around the edges. And the fun thing is that when um, another member of his team kind of says something or does something really stupid, Gibbs just smacks him on the back of the head. Yeah. And so I kind of picture 1 Corinthians, this letter, as Paul slapping the Corinthian church on the back of the head. You know, <laughs> get it together. Come on, smack on the head. So Paul starts off and he says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. In other words, we may all come from different backgrounds, but the moment we become followers of Jesus, we become part of one body, the church, and we all are unified by the spirit of God. Now here's the problem that this church was having. There were those who believed that they were better than others in the church because of their background or because of certain gifts and talents that they had. And Paul's use of the word of the body here is really important because you see, God created our physical bodies and he created humanity in his image. And when sin entered the world, that image became tarnished and corrupted. But then when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, he made a way so that humanity could be restored back to the original image that God had intended. And God put his church here on earth as a manifestation of his image, 
The church is the mirror that God uses to reflect his image to the world. You cannot be a true follower of Jesus without being part of the church. And some of us have heard this passage many times, and so we don't realize how significant it is here that Paul is talking about the body. But you see, the Corinthians were used to hearing the body used as a way to describe their political and social structures of that day. And so Paul took the image of the body to describe a completely new and different community. He wanted us to understand that when we become followers of Jesus, we become part of a community that is different than the world around us. There are to be no social classes in the church. Jesus Christ died for all, and so in the church, we are all equal. Whether we are as rich as Jeff Bezos, who is the founder of Amazon, and according to David, the richest man in the world, I'll have to fact check him later, or it doesn't matter if we're as rich as Jeff Bezos, which I don't think any of us are, or if we only have a dollar to our name. So and Paul then continues, and this is where it really starts to get good. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Something that's important for you to know at this point, when Paul uses the word part here, the Greek word that he actually used is our word member. When we talk about being a member of the church, the word member came from this passage. Unfortunately, over the years, church membership has kind of gotten watered down, and usually it just kind of means a place to belong. But it's so much, while the church is a place to belong and being a member is part of that, it's so much more than that. When Paul used the word member, he was using it the way we would use the word limb or organ. Listen to these few verses again. The human body has many organs, but the many organs make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And yes, the body has many different organs, not just one organ. Then Paul goes on and he says, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Now, I don't know about you, but this passage has always struck me as kind of funny because it is absolutely and totally ridiculous. Can you imagine the ear saying, why didn't God make me an eye? Because of that, I'm not going to be a part of the body anymore. I often, or, you know, this is the other thing, I often picture, like, just a giant eye floating around, which is really gross. And that's actually what Paul intended. He meant it to be shocking and gross to think, you know, is this ludicrous? Every organ in the body is vital to the function of the body. Our bodies cannot function with only one part, and the church can't function with only one type of person in it. For instance, a church where the people believe that only the pastor is called to minister to others isn't going to survive. I know that this is going to come as a shock to all of you, but the pastor cannot do everything in the church. 
This church has three pastors on staff, and even the three of us cannot meet every need that exists in the church. We weren't meant to. If only the pastors did things in the church, there would be a lot of things that would not get done. Paul then goes on and says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has given each member of this body of believers gifts and talents, and he has placed you here, right where he wants you. So, what about those body parts that seem unnecessary? I'm kind of a curious person, so I did a little research. Let's talk about toes for a minute. Have you ever looked at your toes and thought, why on earth did God put these on my body? I mean, let's face it, toes are just not very attractive. Sure, we women try to, you know, pretty them up and and make them look better, and, you know, we think that that makes our feet look pretty and everything else, but let's face it, toes just really aren't that attractive, unless they're on a baby. That's the only exception. So, do we really need toes? And the answer is, yes, we do. We absolutely need our toes. God designed our foot to work in a certain way when we walk. I'm going to get a little technical here. Just hang with me. So most of us, when we take a step, we put our heel down first, and then our foot rocks forward. And there's a tendon that runs along the bottom of our foot called the plantar fascia. And when our heel comes down on the ground, it's floppy and loose like a, like a rubber band. But then when our foot comes forward, that tendon gets tight, and that's what allows us to take the next, our next step. So what allows that tendon to become tight and provide the energy for our foot to pick up and make the next step? Our toes. That's right. You got it, our toes. If we didn't have our toes, we would not be able to walk the way that we do. Our toes also help us to balance, and they help us to run faster. Now, I can barely run at all. Can you imagine how awful I would be if I didn't have toes? Now, could we survive and go on living without our toes? Yes, but our body would not function as effectively or as efficiently without them. Here's another one for you, your appendix. Now, I was going to put a picture of an appendix up for you, but I couldn't find any ones that wouldn't gross you out. So I decided to just spare you. But have you ever heard of someone talking about an appendix without it being in the, concept, in the context of the appendix getting infected and having to be removed? I have never heard someone talk about the appendix in any other way. So the question it begs the question, what on earth, why do we have an appendix? Why would God put that in there if it could just be removed when it caused trouble? And you know what? For a while, even doctors and scientists couldn't tell us if there was really a purpose for an appendix. But over the last 10 years or so, they finally started to figure out, guess what? The appendix does have a purpose. God didn't just stick it in there as something to cause trouble to get taken out later. The appendix is actually what holds the good bacteria that our digestive system needs in order to function properly. Scientists have actually begun to believe that the appendix is a secondary immune system organ. 
So, do we need our appendix? Yes. Again, we can live without it, but our bodies can't function as effectively as God intended without one. So why did I just spend all this time telling you about your toes and your appendix, or lack thereof? Listen to this again. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. In other words, every member of the body is important. There are no members of the body who are not needed. We cannot say, because I am not Todd Downing, I am not a part of the body. Or, because I am not Jeannie Markland, I am not a part of the body. I'm sure that Todd would be the first to tell you, or perhaps Shana, that if the entire church were made up of Todd's, there would be some serious gaps. <laughs> we would have a lot of fun singing and playing and playing our hearts out, but there would be some important things that would never get done. <laughs> See? And trust me when I tell you that if everyone in the church were Jeannie Markland, we would be in a world of trouble and we would not survive for long. Thank you to whoever agreed with me so fast. <laughs> we need every member of this body and we need diversity and different parts in the body. So I'm going to take a page from Pastor Brad's book right now and I'm going to have you look at your neighbor Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. And then say, you need me. <laughs> now, for those of you who may feel like an appendix or a toe of the church, and you wonder if anyone would even notice if you weren't here anymore, I want you to know that you are important to the church. You are important to the church. God has given you a gift that he wants you to use in this body to help us reach our community. God sees you, and he knows your important function in the body, even if no one else does. You may not always get noticed or thanked or appreciated for what you do, and believe me, I know how nice it is to be appreciated. But the organs of our body keep functioning and working, whether we notice and thank them for it or not. Just imagine if you one morning, like say tomorrow morning, you woke up and your heart said, you know, I've been doing all this work for so long and you've never once stopped and told me thank you or appreciated what I have done, so I'm just not going to do it anymore until I get some appreciation. Thank goodness our bodies don't work that way or we'd all be dead. Does this mean that we don't appreciate what our heart does by, you know, continually pumping blood throughout our body and keeping us alive? Of course not. But sometimes as humans, we forget to be appreciative and to say thank you. So let me encourage all of you to pay attention to the parts of the body and notice the diversity. If you know someone that does something that keeps the church running smoothly, and they don't often get thanked for it, take a moment and tell them thank you for what they do. And now this may be the point where some of you have started to argue with me in your head saying, okay, this is all well and good, but I can't sing. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to preach. 
I don't know how to make coffee. I, I don't have a car, so I can't pick people up. I can't get around as well as I used to. Guess what? If you have a pulse and you're breathing, there is still a part of job for you in the body. You are still needed. God has given each of us gifts that are unique, and he has placed us in this body of believers. So please, stop looking at other people and wishing that you had different gifts. God didn't give us these gifts to make us feel good. In fact, some, let me tell you, sometimes getting up here doing this does not feel good. But I love you, and I love God, so I do it. He gave us these gifts so that through our service in the body, the church can effectively reach our community. I want to tell you about a lady named Mrs. Wilder. Mrs. Wilder was the mother of one of our missionary doctors in Pakistan, and sweet mama, that was what her mom, her daughter called her, became ill, and so Dr. Mary had to actually leave Pakistan and come back to the States to take care of her. And toward the end of her life, Mrs. Wilder couldn't do much other than sitting in a chair. And so she would spend most of her days sitting in a chair, either in the living room or in the kitchen. And what would she do every day while she sat in her chair? Well, she would either have her Bible open on her lap or on a table and a notebook next to it with names written in it, and she would pray. If she met someone one time, her, their name went in that notebook. My name was in her notebook. My parents and my sister's names were in her notebook. In fact, every missionary that her daughter had ever worked with name was in that notebook. And Mrs. Wilder would pray from the time that she got up in the morning until the time she went to bed at night. She'd pray over every single name in that notebook. She never complained. She praised God for giving her the opportunity to do something as a part of the body. She was a fully functioning organ of the body until the day she died. And when she died, she passed away actually several years ago, and when she died, I remember thinking, who is going to take up the torch now and do this? We've lost a prayer warrior. Why am I telling you about Mrs. Wilder? Because you may not think that you have anything to contribute to the body, but guess what? Every single one of us can pray. Every single one of us can pray, and we need you to pray. God works through the prayers of his people. We need you to pray for our pastors and their families. We need you to pray for our church we need you to pray for our community. We need you to pray for the lost and the dying and the broken. We need people in this body who are committed to prayer. Now, you may have heard by now that we're in the middle of planting a new church. That church is never going to get off the ground and be effective without prayer. But let's get back to the church in Corinth for just a minute. The Corinthian church had another problem that had leaked in from the society around it. You see, Roman society viewed different jobs as having different statuses. So, for instance, if you were, you know, you had, there were jobs that were higher profile and more honorable 
and more dignified, and they were deserving of a higher status. And then there were jobs that were not dignified and that were dishonorable and were fit for a lower class person to do. And these jobs were, dis were considered dispensable, and unfortunately then, so were the people who did them. And this problem had crept into the church, and it had some members thinking, oh, my job is much more honorable, and I am way more important than you. And so they were treating people with lesser gifts as lesser members of the body. But guess what? Our society hasn't changed much, has it? So Paul says this. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. In other words, God has put the church together so that there are no members who are more important than any others. If the Queen of England were to walk through our doors, that would be weird. But she would have no less status in the body of Christ than any of the rest of us commoners. We are all equal in the body of Christ. There are no lesser gifts. Because of this, we should see the beauty in our diversity. We should see the beauty of people who think differently than us and perhaps do something a different way than we would do it. God put each of us unique and wonderful people of his together in this body so that we would function in beautiful harmony. This also means that if all the members care for one another and we're part of one body, when a member of the church is suffering, the whole church suffers. How many of you have ever stubbed your toe? Yes, I see that hand. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when I stub my toe, how is it that one little part can affect your body so much? When I stub my toe, the pain goes through my entire body. And it's the same with the church. It doesn't seem to matter how small the part is that's injured. That pain affects the entire body. And the suffering of one member of our church will affect our entire body. So in the same way that we might use our hands to bandage an injured toe, we need to come alongside those who are suffering and provide comfort and support. Now, some of you know the story of, of Samuel, my little guy who's um, just about six months old now. And when Sammy was born, we knew that he had um, two congenital heart defects that were going to eventually need surgery. But what we and the doctors didn't know or couldn't predict was that he was going to have to spend 54 days in the hospital in the first four months of his life. And, and man, that was rough. It was a hard, hard time for our family. I was driving back and forth to the hospital every day. It was from over an hour away. And we were suffering, and I didn't even know. I didn't know how to ask for help or to say what I needed. I didn't know what I needed, except I needed my baby to not be in the hospital. But then one of my friends decided to take matters into her own hands, and the body of Christ stepped up. All of a sudden, gift cards for gas and for food and for Starbucks 
were flooding my mailbox and flooding my email. And then people from this church and people from another church signed up and brought us meals for over a month. In fact, it got to the point where Ron started complaining because he said he was going to gain weight from all the good food we were getting because I hadn't cooked in a while. <laughs> and this is the beauty of the body of Christ. It's seeing an organ of the body in pain and caring for it. And I also want to note that almost none of these people who did this were pastors. I share my story only to say that if you know of someone in the body who is suffering in some way, maybe the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or caring for a sick family member, the list can go on and on. But don't sit back and say, well, I hope that one of the pastors takes care of this because that's their job. No. Here's what I want you to know today. We are all equal members of the body of Christ. And God has placed you in this body for a reason. So what do I want you to do? Do something. When you hear someone has lost a loved one, go and sit with them and cry with them. You don't have to say anything. Just suffer with them. When you notice that someone isn't in church, don't call or email the church office and ask where they are. You call that person and say, hey, I missed you. Is everything okay? When you hear that someone is in the hospital, go and visit them. You may have heard by now that we're planning a new church. Guess what? We need every member of this body to be involved so that we can reach our community. What do we need you to do? Well, come to the next launch team meeting and find out the ways that you can be involved. We need the appendix of the church and we need the pinky toe of the church. Because all of you together are Christ's body and each one of you is a part of it.